Shut up and sit down. Bet you didn't think anybody was here, did you? What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. You're tuned into the Quiet Part Loud podcast. You know where you're at. You press play. And uh, you know who this is. I'm Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. I'm back again, as always, because if I wasn't, fucking show wouldn't exist. So I'm here. We're um, we're recording this thing on a Friday, which uh, isn't great because, again, meant to go out on a Wednesday evening. Um, but schedule's been a bit pressed again this week, which is unfortunate and... That's delayed the episode coming out. So you're probably going to be listening to this either late Friday evening or or uh, sometime over the weekend, uh, whenever you guys you know choose to find it, whenever it shows up in your feed. But I am trying. I just wanted to let you know I am trying to get these out on Wednesday night, but it is uh, is just proving a little bit difficult over the past couple of weeks. But that's the aim, that's the goal, and that's what we're always striving for, just to give you guys some regularity. But what seems to be happening is... If it doesn't happen on a Wednesday night, then it's going to happen on a Friday night uh, because I don't go out to the clubs and I'm not drinking that much. So I, uh, I'm generally at home and I've got the opportunity to do it then. That's kind of my backup position, which is what we've been doing uh, when we just cannot, for some reason or another, fit them in on Wednesday night. But we're back and, uh, and we're in it. So does it piss me off when we can't do it on a regular schedule? Definitely. But it's not the end of the world because we can get it out. So here we are, and there's plenty of shit to talk about. The, the, the week's been absolute chaos for me personally and with everything else that's going on. And that's really what we're going to do. We're just going to dive into what's been going on as we normally do on these shows. Um, if you haven't listened to us before, welcome, guys. I hope, uh, hope you like the show in advance. If you do, give us a like, give us a rate, you know, download, share it, tell your friends, all that good stuff because we're just trying to grow this thing. Um, got some new equipment coming. That'll be with us soon, and then you'll see an improvement in the audio uh, quality that we put out. Also investing in some other software, which is hopefully going to help us mix this thing down and edit it again uh, to a you know to a better standard. Because I think that's the bit that's missing now is uh, some of the audio quality. And then obviously we're working on show structure. And I've been thinking about doing specific episodes, uh, maybe focused around you know certain issues, and, and we dedicate sort of uh, uh, you know one of those shows. Uh, a show to one of those topics, um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, just real social issues that, that deserve a little bit more than just a, a skim over that, you know, we tend to do if we if we touch on certain certain topics. But anyways, I'll bring that stuff to you. I'm looking at segments. I'm looking at all that stuff. Um, and as uh, as everything develops, you guys will uh, you'll be the first to know. But if you're coming back and you're listening, you know, as a repeat customer, then, uh, then much love to you guys and, uh, and uh, many thanks because I appreciate you guys. You're the ones that keep driving the numbers and keep maintaining the numbers when we add new listeners and all of that stuff. So it's, it's, all, it's all key. So um, for first-time listeners, get us on Spotify. You've probably found us on iTunes. We're also available on Spotify and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Twitter as well, uh, which is at Quiet Part Loud. YouTube channel coming soon. So, uh, little news there. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, the goal is to add video. I've talked about this for ages and ages and ages, but the goal is to add video to the show. But in, in the interim, until we get that all figured out, 
I think I'm going to start uploading the episodes to YouTube as well by, you know, as sort of clips from the episode and different things like that, because I want a presence on, on that channel as well. We currently don't have one. So, uh, just, yeah, some run of the mill developments work's been crazy. Um, a lot of changes happening there and, uh, and that's, you know, it's taking a lot of my time and a lot of my brain power, uh, which it has to do cause it's the nine to five and, you know, it pays the rent, uh, pays the mortgage. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is what it is. So now it's the weekend works done. Let's put that aside and, uh, and let's crack on with what's going on. Cause there's a couple updates actually from the entertainment world that, I, that I'm really keen to talk about. Um, that lead into some other issues as well. But what I'm talking about is the release of the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Now, God, it was probably three or four years ago when I was, yeah, maybe even longer. uh, And I was talking about the next big kind of superhero comic book film that I'd want to see. And it's always been a back a backstory to the Joker, right? Because Heath Ledger's portrayal in The Dark Knight Rises was, you know, probably the best um, villain character in the Batman series, full stop. And I always said that the next big one is going to be a spinoff of of that character, of the Joker, a backstory, a, a, a coming of age story, a, a sort of a you know. A, almost a biopic type of film. Like how the Joker, we, nobody knows anything about the Joker because in the comic books, he doesn't really have a backstory. Um, and it looks like this one is going to be, I mean, it's it's already getting Oscar talks, right? With Joaquin Phoenix and, and, and his performance. And I just cannot wait to see it. In the UK, I think it comes out on the 4th of October. And... It's just it's just one of those movies that I've been anticipating coming out. And and at first when Joaquin Phoenix was announced as the as the person that was gonna play the 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 title role, I was a bit like I'm kind of I'm not sold on Joaquin Phoenix. He's had some great performances, but he's also kinda had some duds and I didn't know how how he'd fit into that role. I always thought of it as a different, more I don't know, just a different person in that role. Even like a Jim Carrey or something like that, I think, could play an amazing Joker, psychopath, you know, but it's not, but he kind of doesn't fit in either. Um, so I didn't know who I wanted to play it, but I wasn't sure that I was, uh, uh, that it was going to be Joaquin Phoenix. But then I saw, you know, some of the teasers that they started putting out of, him descending into the chaos that is the character of the Joker and I was sold right away right away and then you start to see the kind of behind the scenes filming and now the trailers come out and the film is going to be released next week or the week after in the UK I think it comes out tonight actually uh in the US if it hasn't already but again he's looking at like they're talking Oscars for this for this film and I just can't wait to see it but one of the reasons I bring this up is because of the madness around what's going on in America with the release of this film. And if you haven't heard, what they're doing is in some territories, they're actually not showing it at all. Not f- Well, the reason that they're not showing it is because they're fearful that it might incite some sort of a, a mass shooting 
or a copycat of how the Joker's portrayed because apparently in the film itself there's there is this descent into chaos and descent into madness that turns him into the psycho sort of terrorist that he is that the character the Joker is and their fear of somebody copying this character and perpetuating more mass shootings so they're not going to show the film and I just think this is ridiculous and it's all based on that psychopath that walked into a theater in Colorado all those years ago when the Dark Knight Rises came out you remember this story there was a guy he had his hair painted he was all dressed up kind of like the Joker and he went into a movie theater and started shooting people and 12 people died as a result of it this is why they're now taking the actions that they're taking to minimize the exposure of this film because they think, you know, again, they think people are going to go watch it and then go shoot things up. Like, that's how it works. Like, I, I just think the elementary cognitive processing that goes into making a decision like that, justifying it like that, is reducing a matter of national importance down to the simplest way of potentially dealing with it you're not solving any issues you're certainly not solving any anything any mass shooting issues by restricting the theaters that this film plays in we've got to be straight on that right now right if they didn't make grand theft auto these mass shootings would still occur okay there may be some sort of alignment with violent content and how it perverts a young mind, how it, you know, how it can change the views or desensitize the views of, of young men generally because they're the, they're the sort of audience for these games. But correlation is not causation. Violent video, I mean, you ever heard of Death Wish? With Charles Bronson? These movies were chaos. You ever seen some of the action movies from the 80s? You couldn't show that kind of violence today. But yet mass shootings are on the rise. So where were they back then? And I just think it's a really, really basic attempt at trying to address a very, very serious issues by marginalizing the exposure that a movie gets. Right? They had to, they basically pulled another movie. I think it was called The Hunt. And it was some post-apocalyptic thing where Democrats were hunting like Republicans or something. I mean, it was obvious garbage, but I mean, this is a superhero movie. This is a comic book movie. Like nobody I just it just it's so frustrating that people even think that this is a way of dealing with this problem. And that the guy who shot up that movie theater when those people were in there watching Dark Knight Rises was at home like playing Grand Theft Auto. Like having an online game of a, of a violent video game or he was sitting there watching like some violent movies and then was spurred on to go and shoot a bunch of people in a movie theater. When we're not addressing at all the mental health issue that's going on in America, the opioid crisis that's going on in America that leads to mental health issues and the gun problem in America. 
It does nothing to address these issues. You're just, you're just putting a Band-Aid on a, on a gunshot wound. Pardon the alignment. But that's what you're really doing. And I'm looking, f I'm, I hope they don't take this tactic in, in the UK when it releases and marginalize where they're putting it and, and only, you know, use it in, place it in select play. I don't think they will because we don't have a problem like that over here, but I just, I don't see the point. I just, I don't see the point. And this is going to be a great movie. From everything that I'm reading, it's going to be an amazing performance by Joaquin Phoenix. I want to see it also because Brian Callen, who's one of my favorite people, one of my favorite comedians, podcast hosts, very smart guy. I, I guess he makes a, an appearance in it as well. So I love to support anything that guy does because, uh, you know, when you, you should, you should support good people doing good things. And I think he's one of them. So, uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a movie guy. Like I love, I love films so much. And I used to watch everything, literally everything. And I, you know, since I've been married, I don't watch as many films because if to take somebody else's opinion and, and, you know, feelings into consideration. So when I want to watch a, you know, a Korean film from the seventies, I probably have to do that on my own. Right. Or if I want to watch some French, uh, film noir, that's probably not going to be Friday night viewing for me and my wife. So I don't get to, I don't get to watch the breadth of films that I used to. And now I really make it count when I want to kind of say this is, I'm definitely watching this with or without you. Uh, but when it, the first chance I get to watch it, I'm going to watch it. This is one of them. But this is theatrical release, so it's a little different. The other film that I'm really looking forward to seeing is The Irishman, the new Scorsese film. They've just released a trailer for it, and it's supposed to be like a three and a half hour epic. And it's bringing together, I mean, again, if you don't know, then you're probably not interested in films. But if you, um, if you don't know and you are interested in films, this is Scorsese's newest film with De Niro, Pacino, um... Pesci, Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano. I mean, the, the cast is just stacked. And again, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Scorsese flick, so you know what kind of flavor it's going to be. And it's about, uh, it's about Jimmy Hoffa, the, the, uh, the old time union guy who was apparently uh, got involved with the mob. If you don't know the story, I'm not going to go into it. You can look it up. But apparently, you know, he disappeared and nobody knew where he went. And it's never been a solved case. Everybody assumed that the mob got rid of him and buried him in concrete in a, uh, that was subsequently turned into like a football stadium. There's rumors abound about other things that happened. But this is a movie all about this. And it's supposed to be amazing. And the fucking trailer looks fantastic. So that's coming out, I think, in November. And those are the two films that I'm super keen to see because most of the shit they make nowadays is garbage. I don't watch the superhero movies. Like I put Aquaman on for five minutes and had to turn that off. Um, you know, I can't even remember. I watch mainly documentaries. I mainly watch 
uh, YouTube, stand-up comedy, stuff like that. Like content that's not that's not mainstream film, I guess, for lack of a better way of describing it. But I did watch the Jordan Peele movie the other day, Us, right? The follow-up from, well, not really follow-up, his next movie, um, after he did um, Get Me Out. Is that what it's called? Get Me Out? Or Get Out? Uh, which was unbelievable. If you haven't seen that, you definitely need to watch it. Us was very, very good in certain parts and it was a bit garbage in others. And I'm not, again, I'm not going to go into it. Check it out if you, if you haven't seen it already. It's worth a watch, but it's nowhere near as good as Get Out. Um, it just kind of takes a left turn, gets a bit weird and I'm just like, it wasn't really for me. It wasn't really for me. Um, but there were some, there were some decent parts in it. But that was one that I was really looking forward to. And I was a bit let down. So even the ones that you're anticipating from filmmakers that you really, really like these days, they kind of fall flat. And I just, I love older films. I love, I just, like Taxi Driver, for instance, like those long scenes where there's nothing being said and it's just De Niro waiting or De Niro sitting in a coffee shop or sitting in his taxi, like, or an inner monologue. Like, I love... I love those films. I don't need it to be a Joel Schumacher type of like Transformers movie. Those movies do nothing for me. They do nothing for me. So again, I don't watch a ton, but the ones that I do, I really look forward to. And, and those are a couple that are coming out. Um, but again, just, I think it's so asinine. Like this is a mob film, right? About a guy who... Um, I think it's Whitey Bulger as well that's in, in The Irishman. One of the characters is portrayed in The Irishman. And what are we talking about here? We're talking about mob, like assassinations. We're talking about extortion, racketeering, murder, gambling, like all of these things, right? And that's being released on Netflix. Do you think there's going to be like a rise in organized crime because of this? Again, Correlation does not equal causation, and we need to separate them out as what's actually causing the issue and what is not causing the issue. And I'm talking again about mass shootings. Nobody wants to have a conversation except on the day after a mass shooting about gun control. And within a week, all the conversations are gone. We want to talk about mass shootings. And we want to talk about rap music and violent music and violent movies and violent video games. But we don't want to talk about the proliferation of these arms dealers who are putting, who are making available weapons that are war grade that are in the hands of teenagers in some of the cities in America. 300 mass shootings this year and they want to blame video games and not guns. They want to blame movies and not mental health. Get the fuck out of here. What are we talking about? So if you're going to address an issue, address the issue. But address it at its root. Not as some of the peripheral things that may seem easily aligned as part of the problem. Speaking of things that are part of the problem, we have to talk about the orange elephant in the room. And that's, that's good old Donnie Trump. Because now he's officially under investigation 
for impeach, uh, uh, impeachment proceedings and an impeachment investigation because of this uh, nonsense with the Ukrainian uh, prime minister, president. And if you don't know what's going on here, the media is giving really, really mixed messages. And that's one of the points of this show is to break through some of that, that bullshit and hopefully provide a little bit of clarity in an unbiased way about what the hell is actually going on. So in terms of this whole Ukrainian situation with Trump and the president and Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son, let me try to break it down a little bit for you, right? So Trump had a conversation with the Ukrainian prime minister days after they froze two to maybe it was three to four hundred million dollars in aid which assists the Ukrainians in defending themselves against Russia. Russia have obviously annexed Crimea and are in constant pursuit of ways to invade and basically take over the Ukraine and bring it back into the Russian Empire. So the aid that is provided by countries across the world, including Germany and European institutions and Great Britain and France and uh, the Netherlands and Sweden and, 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 you know, even Canada and, you know, America, obviously. This all goes into part of how they defend themselves. They are able to tool up. They are able to recruit more military personnel. They are able to buy weapons. They are able to fortify their borders against Russia better than they would be without it. So, a couple days before Trump and the Ukrainian prime minister or president, I think it's whatever, um have this conversation, he freezes this aid money. Then he has a conversation, which is in transcript form, about how good America is to the Ukrainians. And after getting some affirmation of that from the Ukrainian leader, he goes on to say, I need you to do me a couple of favors. I need you to look into how the... Uh, the Democratic National Convention computers were hacked and whether or not that was Russia or if it was somebody else. And I need you to report back. I also need you to continue to look into Joe Biden and his son in regards to their, uh, into the investigation that was going on around a prosecutor when uh, Joe Biden's son was on the board of a company called um, uh, Burisma. Burisma are a natural energy, natural gas energy company. And for many other reasons, you know, as well as kind of international alignment, Biden's son got involved in this company, was on the board. And while all this was going on, there was a prosecutor that was looking into the company. And that prosecutor was deemed by America, a number of other world leaders and countries, and the IMF as being wholly corrupt. And they all called for his dismissal. But as bureaucracy happens to move at a snail's pace, some pressure needed to be applied. Now, one thing to get very, very straight about this is that this investigation was going on before... Joe Biden's son was a part of this company, affiliated with this company in any way. So this is not an investigation that this corrupt prosecutor was carrying out against Joe Biden's son. That is not true. 
This investigation had started before Joe Biden's son was on the board of this company. So they are not linked, right? Based on chronology, they are not linked. Biden was vice president at the time, and one of his jobs is foreign diplomacy. And they said to Ukraine, if you do not get this prosecutor out of his job, because he is seen by us and a number of other countries and the IMF as being corrupt, we are not satisfied that you're dealing with corruption in the right way, and we will withhold our aid, which was a billion, a billion dollars or something like that. But it was not in relation to them stopping the investigation about his son. That was not the case. However, this is the reason and the excuse Trump has put in place as to why he was asking about this investigation and asking him to continue this investigation into Biden's son. Now, what actually is going on here is Donald Trump fears that Joe Biden is going to be the person running against him in next year's election. And he was trying to do what he did when he was on the campaign trail running for president in 2016, when he said to a, an audience of 15,000 people, he announced to Russia that if they've got the, the, the emails, Hillary's 33,000 emails, those deleted emails that were so infamous, to release them, to find them and release them. He encouraged that, which was one of the things that led to the Mueller report. But the day after the Mueller report came out and Bob Mueller testified, this phone call between the Ukrainian president and Trump happened, which he was asking for these favors. Okay? So, we have a transcript of that conversation now. It is a partial transcript, but more information is coming out all the time. And this phone call became public knowledge because there was a complaint made by a whistleblower to the Department of National Intelligence, the DNI, that said, I am concerned that the president is engaged in an abuse of his authority, of his executive authority. And it comes with multiple sources from White House staff. He's got half a dozen sources that he's referring to, to say, this is not the first time, but it is probably one of the most egregious. So what we're learning now is that Trump and his team were moving these conversations these transcripts into a classified server that is held for covert operations. So by doing that, the inference straight away is that they knew what they did was wrong. And it was wrong in on a number of different levels because you don't ask a foreign power to investigate your political rivals. That is that is an abuse of power, right? Especially when you're doing it by withholding financial aid to a country which is what's being alleged. And the timeline looks like it makes sense. But that's, a, that's an abuse of power. And the CIA agent has put this complaint together, but the White House blocked it. So they're moving all of these transcripts into a server that is protected for classified, covert, you know, kind of espionage type of operations. Osama bin Laden's like, 
when they killed Osama bin Laden, that mission would have been in this server. But the Trump admi administration have put these phone call transcripts into this server, which again leads you to believe that they knew how fucking bad it was. So that's why they shifted them. But when you go a little bit further than that, what you see is that he was also getting his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, involved. You also see that he was enlisting the Attorney General of the United States, the top law enforcement official in the United States, Bill Burr, to get involved in this investigation as well. And all of that is an abuse of power. The fact that they moved all of this information and these transcripts into this classified server makes it very clear that they knew what they were doing was wrong. And that would in that would basically amount to a cover-up. So now they've started impeachment hearings. After you know much time, it seems that some freshman senators or some freshman Congress people who are in very important states, they call them purple states. Purple states are, are, are states that in an, any certain election year could go red or could go blue. They're the states that you need to win. Those are the states that the Congress won when they took back the majority in the House, right? So a bunch of freshman uh, lawmakers, senators, congressmen, or, or congresswomen, um, have come out from purple states and said, we want, we now think, they wrote an op-ed, and they said, we now support an impeachment inquiry into the president based on this current behavior. Now, they're all ex-intelligence uh, officers, CIA analysts, um, covert operations, these sorts of things, right? They're all spies and, and spooks and everything like that. So they see this as a, a massive problem for the national security and the homeland security of America. So that's a line crossed. That's a line that's a step too far for them. So now they came out and then Nancy Pelosi acts because Nancy Pelosi is a pragmatist. She understands how the elections work. She understands how the country works. And she knows that if people in those moderate states, those kind of those purple states are ready to step over and make this call, then it's probably the right time to do it. I think it's just an egregious violation of power by the Trump administration. And I think it was to be done whether those moderates, those kind of purple states uh, got on board or not, because you have to act in the interest of your country rather than in the interest of your party. Now, there is overwhelming support for this in the House. 225 have now supported impeachment measures against the president. The magic number they say is 218. But I just wanted to clear, clarify some of that other stuff up front because what they're saying now is that, you know, what Trump is going to spin is that this is an investigation into, you know, illegal activity from Joe Biden's son and that needs to be, that needs to be investigated. And that's the only reason why I said anything about this. You cannot believe that because if you just look at the chronological history of these affairs, this investigation by this prosecutor who was corrupt had started this investigation before Joe Biden's son was involved. They did not, Joe Biden did not call for this prosecutor's removal because he was investigating his son. That is categorically untrue. Okay? So, just to clarify that. 
But now where we go is we go into a formal impeachment uh, inquiry, which means nothing's going to get done for the Americans in terms of infrastructure, health care, uh, taxes, anything like that. No nothing's going to get done. Everything is now going to be on this impeachment effort. But it needs to be done. And you can see how shit scared the Trump administration are, including the, the commander in chief himself, because now they're getting irate. They're, Trump has come out and said that this whistleblower is uh, effectively a spy. And you know what we used to do with them back in the day, right? He, that's what he said. He said, this guy's effectively a spy, and you know what we used to do with them back in the day. That's a terrible Donald Trump impression, but I can never do impressions on the fly. But that's effectively what he said. He's also, so Adam Skiff, who is the um, chairman of the um, intelligence committee, who's going to be now running this, He's accused him of lying, misrepresenting the transcripts, and has called for him to resign uh, effective immediately. These are tactics of a scared person. These are tactics of a person who has been called out, found out, and is in real danger now. <clears throat> because what we know is that this whistleblower is a CIA agent, we know that there are multiple sources that have uh, brought many of these occasions to their attention. And if we understand correctly, as of the most up-to-date information I've seen, which was earlier today, is that on this classified server, there are more transcripts of more calls with more leaders that may be as bad, if not worse. The simple fact that they're hiding them there is equivalent to a cover-up so in my personal opinion i don't see how he comes out of this but it's going to be really really interesting because he has the nickname teflon don for a reason right because none of this shit ever sticks to him it just seems to slide off and he gets to glide on into the next one i don't know this might be a step too far this might be a step too far, but we don't know. And we don't know how Americans are going to perceive this. Are they going to perceive this as just a political move to fuck with him in the election? Or are they going to see this as the credible issue that it is? The fact that it is a, a breach of the law, an abuse of power, and effectively a cover-up. Because from the outside looking in, and again, I always try to be impartial in terms of the media outlets that I look at. I look at right, I look at left, I look at independence, and then I make an assessment after reading the facts. And you can go online and you can read the complaint that the CIA whistleblower has made. And it is fucked up. And you can read the transcript. And it is fucked up. And you know where they found this transcript. And that was on a classified server. And that is fucked up. So... If this ain't a cover-up, an abuse of power, and a violation of law, what is? So if he can skate through this, <coughs> I don't know what else to do. The only thing that can be done if he was to get through this unscathed is to hope to God that the American people wake the fuck up and don't subject themselves to another four years of absolute chaos. So... That was the big kind of elephant in the room. That was the thing I wanted to talk about. That was what clarify some of the points on because you're going to hear from the left that this is the most damning thing in the world. And in a lot of respects it is, but they don't know that yet. 
So they're making speculative commentary and assumptions about something that has not been completely hashed out yet. If you go over to the other side, if you, that's CNN, right? If you go over to Fox News, then you're going to hear that this is a complete uh, witch hunt. There's nothing to this. How could they even think about impeaching him off such a minor thing? And they're going to downplay the whole thing. So then you look at those two and you see, oh, the story must be somewhere in the middle. So then you check out some more credible sources, some investigative journalists. You read the complaint, you read the transcript, and you make your own determination. And anybody that's within earshot, if you're interested in this one way or another, but you should be. You should be because if the uh, president of America can start to influence other countries by withholding uh, money to investigate people, to run political parties, no telling where that can go. When you see Trump scared backed into a corner and he starts to say, oh, this guy's effectively a spy and this is effectively treason and you know what we used to do with those, those are inferences, right? Those are really, really dangerous inferences. When you see people just coming out flat out and say Trump's never lied, which some of these news anchors have said, but then when you come out and say Trump is wrong about every single thing that comes out of his mouth, you can't trust those people either. You have to look at it objectively and do your own research. And that's what I've been trying to do. And that's why I wanted to speak on this a little bit to hopefully clarify what the hell is going on. You cannot listen to these uh, verbatim because they've got their own agendas, as we know. So I just wanted to mention it. I just wanted to get something in there to, to kind of analyze this a little bit. But you need to be paying attention to this. This is a big deal. This is a big, big deal. Um, you know, and... If we come back to the UK, then we've got something similar going on, but not as extreme with uh, with Boris Johnson, who, in my opinion, is a fucking pig, okay? This guy is not the leader of our country. He was not elected by us to lead this country. He is running this government into shambles, even worse than it has been. He's lost every vote. He's basically had his Brexit strategy overturned by the Supreme Court. And I see these supporters, these Tory... Uh, these Tory supporters and these conservative voters who are just all in they're in on the, the tories like the republicans are in on trump and it's disgusting and anybody that blindly supports any politician just because they wear a certain color or represent a certain party is a fucking idiot and cannot be trusted to be an objective thinker on any subject matter in my opinion right you hear people saying like oh well how is the Supreme Court, the, the Supreme Court's not elected, the Supreme Court doesn't represent the people, yet they can just stop the will of the people in the Brexit process that people voted for? I mean, come on, man. Do we not understand what the judiciary is? It's there to keep people in checks and balances, and those positions are ascended to. They're not elected. It's not a fucking popularity contest. It's a meritocracy, right? These people are there because they're the best in their field, or at least you hope. It's not like America, and thank God, where the president gets to pick who's on the Supreme Court when he wants, right? As soon as one old fucker kicks the bucket, he can put whoever he wants in place, pretty much. Hence why you've got Brett Kavanaugh, who's a fucking rapist, sitting on the Supreme Court right now. He wants to abolish abortion, yet he's sitting on the Supreme Court of America. Thank God we've got a constitutional system that has these checks and balances to keep some, 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 uh, some balance in place. So these conservative commentators, young and old that I see, and some of them are just ridiculous, talking about why the Supreme Court gets to make decisions on, on, uh, on a vote that was, that was done by the people. They're so quick to forget how fraudulent this entire process was in the first place. 
how fraudulent the information was that people that led people to vote to leave anyways. So we're in a completely different position. But the way Boris Johnson is talking about some of these uh, politicians, female politicians, you know, rivals, the way he's talked about people in the past, this guy's a fucking pig, okay? He's not to be respected. There's nothing respectable about this guy, right? He's a slob. He's a fat, out-of-shape slob. He can't even do his fucking hair right, you know, and I generally don't go after people for their aesthetics. I go after people for their policy and their points of view. But... He's fucked up all across the board. And all this guy wants to do is be Winston Churchill. I mean, he wrote the biography for Churchill, right? He wrote one of the biographies for Churchill. All he wants to do is be Winston Churchill, right? And now that he's got a sniff of Donald Trump, he doesn't even have the balls to stand up to him. I mean, it was only a, a couple of months ago where his fat face was projected all over Big Ben when Trump was making the UK visit where Boris Johnson was on being, this was an interview that Boris Johnson did, saying how incompetent Donald Trump was. But all of a sudden he ascends to power and they're best buddies, right? And they can sit hand in hand at the United Nations and play like everything's sweet. It's disgusting. It's two-faced. It's typical politician shit. And we're getting dragged into this cycle of chaos with him. So what we need, and I've called for this before, is we need a general election and then we need a second referendum. It is as simple as that. And I know politics doesn't work simply, but we need to do something about this because this asshole should be resigned by now. They, the Supreme Court, unanimously decided that his prorogation of Parliament was unlawful without any sort of merit and effectively he lied to the Queen when he went through the process of activating it. This guy's a scumbag. He's a scumbag, he's a liar, he's a crook. I mean, they're looking at him right now for, um, for how he uh, received money while he was the mayor of London. This guy is a nunce, okay? He's an absolute nunce. You know who this guy is? He's the idiot that got stuck on the zip line. He's the idiot that tackled the child when they were playing rugby, right? This guy's a first-class idiot. He's a first-class asshole, and he's a absolute stain on the reputation of this country and the quicker we get him out of there the better because he is a pig just like donald trump donald trump is a fucking pig okay these guys without their position and their elite status have absolutely no legs to stand on and could not exist in the real world donald trump without his without stealing his father's money he claims he got a loan of a couple of million right and then turned it into billions that's not true they stole 400 million by devaluing the guy, the, the, the Trump father, Trump's father, by devaluing his real estate empire, which was one of the biggest in New York at the time. They stole over $450 million worth of real estate from this guy. That's how Trump got his money. That's how Trump got his money. Boris Johnson has been brought up in an elite world his entire life, that's how he ascended to this position, by doing favors and knowing the right people in the right places. It's his privilege that got him here, not his skill set. <coughs> Politicians overwhelmingly do not get to where they are by being the best person for the job. They are manipulative. They lie through their teeth they tell people what they want to hear just to get to the position that they get to and then it's fuck you very much and there's nothing different with anybody 
including Boris Johnson and Donald Trump in terms of their their ethics and their uh, and their feelings of responsibility to the, to the constituencies that they represent. These guys are pigs. They need to be replaced. I don't think we can, you know, I don't think the people that were, will replace them are going to be shades better, you know, levels above them on the integrity scale. But we can't have what we got. We just cannot have what we got. This is untenable and they're bringing everybody down with them. So don't listen to the media. Go and do your own research. Go and find out the real story. Triangulate stories and look at things objectively and then make your own mind up because that's the only way you're actually going to get the true information that's going on. The other thing uh, that I wanted to mention, and we're going to probably bounce, I think this will probably be the last thing that we talk about. Um, there, This is more for people in the UK, right? Because there's there's a show on BBC, it's like called BBC Good Morning or something like that. It's on at like six in the morning, right? It's your breakfast show. And they've got a male and a female host. And the female's name, the female host is called Naga Munchetti. And she's uh, sh uh, she's an Indian woman. She's uh, she's been on there for ages. You'll know her if you've ever seen the show. Anybody that's in the UK that you know is listening to this will know exactly who I'm talking about. She got reprimanded. I just heard about this. She got reprimanded um, by the BBC for commenting and making her own opinion when this was back when Donald Trump made that statement to the uh, to the freshman congresswoman women uh what he said go they need to go back where they came to where they came from right because one of them's a palestinian descent one of them's somalian descent uh one of them's uh latin uh latina descent and uh and the other one is uh african-american right and they were criticizing him over some bullshit i can't even remember at this point what it was but he said oh it was the immigration issue it was keeping the kids in the cages that's what it was and he said, if they don't like America, they need to go back where they came from. And they're all American except for one of them, right? The other one, the, one of them was born in, in uh, Somalia, right? That Elon Omar, she was born in Somalia. The rest of them were born in America. So fucking idiot, right? And so when that happened, the BBC had somebody on and it was on this morning show with this um, Naga Munchetti. And basically what happened was the guest asked if she had ever experienced similar sorts of racism. To which she apply, uh, replied in the affirmative that she had. And then the guest went on to say, you know, how did that make you feel? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and it basically led Naga into making a personal opinion about the comments that Donald Trump had made. The BBC reprimanded her basically saying this falls out of uh, outside of BBC editorial guidelines that our hosts and journalists are not to put their own opinions into um, into any specific issue. They can't bring their own opinions into it. They have to stay editorially biased, right? And I get that from an editorial position, but fuck that also. What century are you living in? The American news system is completely editorialized. 
the UK system is completely editorialized. And if you don't think the BBC is biased in one way or another, then you're kidding yourself. So reprimanding one of their journalists, longstanding journalists, for, the, for making a comment about a president making racist remarks to other Congress people and relaying that to her own personal opinion and then getting in trouble for that is an absolute fucking joke. And it's another reason why I don't want to support the BBC by having to pay a fucking TV license to support their programming and all of their services or whatever. I don't subscribe to the BBC. I don't watch anything to do with them. I might catch them on YouTube if I see a clip like that, or I might see them if it's on in the gym at uh, six in the morning when I'm when I'm getting ready to finish up my workouts. Other than that, I don't I don't support the BBC because I know they're not an unbiased organization. I know they've got their slants politically. I know they've got their opinions. I know how they quash information about the opposition. I know how they're in the pockets of whatever government party is in power at that time because they're funded by the fucking government. So don't come to me and ask me to support them with a TV license and expect not to have something to say about it. Because when they do things like this to silence reporters for making a poignant comment about a really important issue that's being, you know, that's being perpetrated on on politicians by the by effectively the most powerful person in the world, the American president. If you can't make a comment on that about how it ties into your own experiences of dealing with racism, then fuck you as an organization, fuck you in your editorial integrity, and fuck you if you want any support from me because you're never going to get it. And I can't wait to see the day when the BBC has to change its modeling, its commercial modeling, and starts to fall on its ass. Because when I hear things like this, it makes me absolutely disgusted. And so there's a hashtag on Twitter that says, I stand with Naga. So go out and check that out, and it'll lead you to some more information about this story. But I think this is absolute horseshit. And it's again, it's another reason why you just can't take the media at the word because they seem to be this like, oh, it's a you know, it's an echo chamber for my thoughts and 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 what they're saying I kind of agree with. So it must be right and it must be true. They've all got their opinions, they've all got their political bias, they've all got their ways of doing what they need to do to pay the bills that absolutely infringes on their impartiality and that doesn't make them a viable media outlet there are elements of it that are 100% just like there are elements of Fox News that are legitimate just like there are elements of CNN that are legitimate there are elements of BBC that are legitimate but the top brass making decisions like this are for the birds man and they can fuck right off with all of that so check out that hashtag Show Naga some support because, you know, she's she's good at what she does. And she never meant anything malicious. She never meant anything controversial. She was speaking of her own personal opinion about how she's dealt with racism in the past. And if you can't have people with such a platform talking on those subjects in any way, shape, or form, I get you don't want to fucking tail in a story. You don't want her saying, I think the American president is a racist and a cocksucker and all of this. I get that. But to relate some personal um, some personal alignment with a, with a specific news topic, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's something wrong with the BBC trying to censor her and try to silence her and reprimanding her for saying it. I think that's gross. So form your own opinion on it and have a look into it is all I'll say.
but we gotta we gotta start thinking for ourselves, guys. You know, we gotta really kind of kind of take a step back and say, hey, why am I swallowing all the shit that's being spoon fed to me all the time? God, I can only imagine how even more amplified this conversation would be if I was still on Facebook. But I am well clear of that. It's amazing how you don't miss something, and it's actually funny, right? Because it's gonna be your tr yours truly's birthday in uh, in a, in a couple of weeks time. And I don't have a enormous group of friends. I, I don't go out that much. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a stay out late guy. I'm not a go out on the weekends guy. I like to be home, man. I like to chill out, like to smoke some weed, relax with my family and, uh, and hang out with my dogs, right? So it was funny because I was just thinking the other day, like, oh, it's going to be my birthday soon. And generally, I don't get phone calls. Like, I get texts from people I know in London and stuff and, like, friends and, and like, some members of my wife's family will text me and, you know, say happy birthday and stuff like that. But then the majority of the happy birthdays would come via Facebook, right? Because the little date pops up, the notification pops up. It's this person's birthday today. Make sure you send, send them happy wishes or whatever the fuck. And then... You know, a few people will do that and then it'll show up in their feed because your friends and, and that post is getting activity. So they'll prioritize that in the Facebook algorithm because that's getting engagement and they want more things to get engagement. So the more engagement they get, they can sell ads, right? So when, when people are saying happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, you're, that post stays up, right? It stays high in the rankings on other people's news feeds. So you'll get all of those and you'll get 60, 70, 80, 90 happy birthdays and shit like that. And I was just thinking... <coughs> I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I wonder how many people are going to wish me a happy birthday this year. Not that I care, just as a kind of experiment to see how much activity there will be on that day for, in terms of, you know, people wishing me, you know, happy birthday, good day, all that shit. I'm guessing that it might be somewhere around five or six people wish me a happy birthday this year. Whereas last year, I think I got 75 or 80 comments on my po on my wall uh, on my birthday last year, right? How many people are going to call me? How many people are going to WhatsApp me? How many people are going to send me an email or hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or something like that? I think it's going to probably be five to 10 people at most. And I'm fine with that. But I just, I'm very, very interested to see, right? Because this social media thing is a complete farce right? Social media. It's like, it's like forced visibility. It's, it's forced in interaction. It's, it's not real interaction. You're not interacting with people when you're saying happy birthday to them or you're commenting on their photos and shit like that. That's not interaction. That's passerby shit. That's, that's like, that's just, I eh, gotta do it. That's like an automated response. That's like an out of office email, right? It's almost like that. There's no feelings behind it. There's no thought behind it. There's no creativity or imagination behind it. That person wasn't really thinking about you wanting to wish you a happy birthday. Your birthday wasn't in their calendar so they can make sure not to forget about it. So I'm just curious to see the numbers. But I'm not. It's like, again, I don't give a shit about birthdays. I, I could not care less about them. This is simply brought up as an experiment on numbers and engagement and true uh, and true interaction between people and how that filters in and out of social media so we'll see it'd be interesting but i think that's it guys fuck we've almost done an hour um so yeah it's, it's good to get another show out man and 
And like I said, I'm trying to get these things done on Wednesday night so they can be out there before the weekend, but it just hasn't happened. So I'm going to default now to say you're either going to get it on Wednesday night, which will be out Thursday morning, or you're going to get it Friday night, which will be out Saturday morning. Those are, I guess those are the two fallbacks, you know, the kind of, well, the, 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 the optimal and then the fallback position for episodes going forward. But hopefully things will straighten out a little bit um, and I'll be able to get back to the Wednesdays because I like the Wednesday slot. It just, it's something, something feels good about it. Like hit that midweek low and, uh, and just get it in there. So, you know, kind of pushes people over the hump for anybody that's listening to it, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, that's about it guys. So um, it's going to be a rainy one in London. I think the summer is well and truly done. Um, so stay dry if you're out there anywhere else. Have a great weekend. And, uh, and we'll be back again next week, either Wednesday or Friday, to get this thing done again. But tell your friends about this. Give us some feedback on the show. As I said, we've got upgraded equipment coming. I'll let you know. When, well, you'll be able to tell when that happens. Um, yeah, just let people know, man. We want people listening. And, uh, and we want to know what you guys think, too. So hit us up. Give us feedback. Rate us in iTunes. All that good stuff. Get at us on Twitter, at QuietPartLoud. And, uh, and that's it. So uh, have a great weekend. Be safe. And, uh, and, and uh, love to you and your family. And we'll be back next week to do it all over again. So I'm checking out. And until next time, guys, all the best.